there are so many things out there that you can do these days to improve your body. But I would say by far the best one of those things that you can do for yourself is consistent exercise. The research on consistent exercise is almost endless. It benefits every single system of your body, every 10 systems of your body, from your mental health to your heart health, everything. Okay. There are so many benefits that it has. We all know this. It's kind of accepted in culture today, but for some reason, not a lot of us do that. One of the reasons that we have this podcast and this page is because one of the things that stops people from exercising is being in pain. And hopefully we have some specific solutions for being in pain, but we don't always have all the solutions. I recognize that. And so today we want to talk to you about how to work out while you're in pain. Exercise is so valuable. It's very important to find ways, even when you're exercising. So we've got a handful of strategies strategies we're going to come up and show you with today because exercise is so important. We're going to get into that today, but first, before we do, welcome to the Anatomy of Therapy. I'm Dr. John Spolsky here with Dr. Bobby Riley in Iceland. Bobby, have you ever worked out in pain? Most of the time. <laughs> Almost always, right? I mean, Bobby, Bobby played American football. I played uh, universal football, the better of the two. And if you're an athlete at some point, you're probably working out with a little bit of pain. You're probably playing in a little bit of pain. And that doesn't really change, especially after the fact when you get into day-to-day -day life. Um, but yeah, so like you've worked out in pain. What are, what are some of the things that kind of pop into your head like when you're in pain and you know you need an exercise? Well, it's this, it's this idea that we need to find a way to exercise although we have pain, right? This is, this is what you're mm -hmm. asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that pops to my head, I mean, maybe we just clear this point out of the way, which would be sometimes the exercise is the answer for the pain. Mm. Um, often there's times where you have pain in an area, like, an, like, let's say the anterior knee. And it's like, it's not until you started training or loading your knee and doing it maybe in some kind of systematic manner. Mm -hmm. a progressive loading situation where you 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 load it however the knee can tolerate it and you s slowly increase that load over time mm -hmm. and then it's like magic it uh, knee pain starts to go away and sometimes it's even within a, a single session where you know you're going to the gym and your back kind of hurts and you do the right things and you warm up the right way and then you turn on some deep muscles that you maybe haven't use properly uh, that day or that week or that month and then you leave the gym and you're like i feel wonderful right now you know what i mean this is mm -hmm. this also happens to me a lot so uh, in the past and and even now sometimes but you know and the back is a kind of a common one you go in things don't feel right doesn't really feel great to bend over and pick up the bar or something but uh, but as soon as you start to load it directly, maybe through reverse hypers or some back extensions or some heavy ca weighted carries or some McGill bird dogs or something like that. And then all of a sudden you notice that the pain's kind of gone because you've activated stuff, blood starts to flow. Now, if you wake up the next day and you can't walk, this is not a positive outcome. <laughs> so right. it has to match up after the, after you leave the gym and after you wake up the next morning, but sometimes, you know, you have to kind of, I, mean, I, th I think I know somebody that used to say there's pain and then there's pain, pain. And I can't say it with a Southern accent like he can, but, um, 
I think you have to kind of try to figure that out. What, what is actually pain, pain, because that's, that's very yeah. different. Uh, because you know, if, if you have like a bicep tendon that's hanging on by literally like a few, <laughs> a few tenocytes, a few, a few fibrils there, I mean, bench yeah. press is probably a really bad idea or, or upright rows or something, because you're just going to, you're going to have a full tear, full thickness tear, and you might need surgery or injections or a really long rehab. If you just keep pushing it or the stress fracture in the runner, who's trying to train for the race and they don't stop. There's times when you got to stop, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but there's other times where that tendon is actually fine structurally, but mm -hmm. it's just not happy. So it hurts. So what you got to do is maybe, maybe the, the load is, uh, is uh, too high. Maybe the technique is too bad. Maybe mm -hmm. there's a problem with the way that you're moving and it's not even your fault. So it's something like a hip is too tight or something. You can't help but load the knee improperly. But as soon as you downgrade the movement enough, let's say you used to do clean and jerks, but now you just do leg extensions in the machine at the local global mm -hmm. gym that right. all of a sudden might make your knee pain feel amazing because you stop doing some super dynamic, heavy load impact, fast loading situation. And you just downgraded it to simple, linear, progressive load. And that's actually how you can build yourself back up. And that's actually one of the ways you can train to, to get rid of pain and to possibly slowly reduce your pain. No, I, th I always think that's a great example. One of the, the ways that I kind of tell my patients or explain that to them is, you know, if you're on like a long car trip or whatever, and you've been sitting in the car for a couple hours, your back starts to get a little stiff, your knee gets a little bit achy, your shoulders get a little bit tight. So what do you do? You know, sometimes we'll just pull over to a rest stop. You get out, you kind of stretch it out. You stand up, you, you take a lap around. That's the same thing that I think a lot of us experience, you know, in our jobs at our desks all day or at home on our couches working. We feel tight. We feel like we're in pain. You're like, oh, you just kind of need to move a little bit and work out the kinks a little bit, right? Get some blood flow and get it going. Uh, but sometimes people, when they get up, they kind of perceive that pain as more of a threat. And it's such a low level threat that they can also use it as an excuse to be like, uh, maybe I should do some stretches first. Maybe you should just get it moving. Maybe you just need to get moving. So that's one of the first ways I want to think about kind of working out in pain. Sometimes the pain is not pain, pain. In other words, I'll ask this to patients all the time. Uh, what limits you? What does this pain limit you in doing? And a lot of times I'm like, no, nothing. I can do everything. And I'm like, well, what do you need me for? I, I mean, I understand there's an uncomfortable sensation. There's an unpleasant sensation in your body. You'd like it to go away. But if you could do everything you need to do, this is likely a situation where you can become more active. If you can become more active in some specific ways, directed towards that painful segment, uh, you can feel better pretty quickly. Now, the next situation though, is where you do have, let's just say uh, a serious pathology. Now we can take this to the extreme. Um, like I have a patient who is post-op who got her knees just repaired. Okay. She doesn't have full range of motion. Her wounds are healed. However, and her knees do still hurt, by the way, like when they go and have surgery and they kind of mess with the internal joint, like it hurts after the fact. Now it's the structure has been totally fixed, except her knee hurts. So we have to find things that she is capable of doing. And you kind of hinted at this in your explanation, ways to put load and stress and strain in the knee where she is capable and then slowly increase the progression of what she is capable. If we increase too quickly, that will start to set off her pain. 
if we increase it in the wrong direction, that'll set off our pain. So you have to think of a couple ways to load a, a truly painful knee in a smart way. So let's go over that. What are a couple uh, intelligent ways uh, to get some tension into painful areas? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like even with something like... Uh, I don't know if anybody has been, you know, how many of our listeners have actually witnessed a hip replacement, but mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to witness a few of them and they are anything but delicate. It's basically construction work just on somebody's hip. It's like hammers and people are yanking on stuff and they're it's putting brutal. in this like machine gun thing that has like a cheese grater on the end to just saw the socket into a new shape. And then they just hammer a metal pole down the middle of the femur bone. And, and then what they do is they sew them up or the nurses do the great surgical assistants, and, and, uh, and then, you know, they let them come down from anesthesia. Then they make them walk down the hall. <laughs> so it's like, they just had, yeah. they basically just got beat up with tools and saws and hammers. And then they have to walk on that hip very soon afterwards. And almost so, immediately. Yeah. So I'm only highlighting that to say that we're often capable of a lot more than we think. And, yeah. and often you just have to pivot or sidestep from what you have been doing, which is really hard for people to be honest. It sounds really simple. Just tell a runner, well, just don't run for right now. Well, that's, yeah. that's tough. That's really tough. That's what they love to do. But it's, you know, when we first heard Charlie Weingroff say, you know, you, you either regress or you lateralize what he was saying was you just, you, sometimes you have to move to the side or take a step back. And of course, after a surgery, you take a big step back and you follow whatever the surgeon recommends as far as when you can first load and you can start to do these things. But then it's great to have a therapist or somebody very knowledgeable about these progressions so you don't overdo it, which can have negative consequences. But for most of us, you know, I think for most of the listeners, they're not just post-op. They are probably just mm -hmm. dealing with their pains, their back pains, their knee pains, their AC joint pains. And they're wondering like, what do I do? You know, I just stopped going to the gym because I just, my shoulder just hurts and I can't get better. And I just quit. And that kind of knocks out all that other good stuff that you mentioned in the intro of the podcast, right? The, the impact of exercise alone on mental health or just um, clarity of mind and how sharp you feel afterwards, your, your mood and your emotions and how you treat your son later that day, because you actually got to move and leave the house and do some exercise. Um, is really to find, yeah, these, these side steps or these back pedals to where you can find something that's pain-free. And like I was talking to, to John before the podcast, I said, you know, there's always something we can do. There's always something. And the person who has a really bad shoulder, so bad that you can't even raise a dumbbell. Well, what they can probably do is put their arm at 90 degrees, their elbow at 90 degrees and put that shoulder against the wall and then just push the fist into the wall. And maybe you can't, push it into the wall hundred percent, but you might be able to push it in 30%. And that's an isometric, nothing's moving. You're contracting, which is actually one of the safest movements we can do is isometric exercise to prevent inflammation and irritation. And you do that. You start with a three out of 10 and you hold it for, I don't know, 20 seconds mm -hmm. and you progress, you make sure that that's okay. And then the next week it might be 30 second holds or it might be a four out of a 10 pressure and then a five and then a six and then a seven. All of a sudden you can go full, full effort. And then now you try to raise a dumbbell and it actually is not so bad anymore. So we, it's almost always something we can do. And, you know, 
Well, you, you, at the, at the, at the very least, just train a different modality that completely leaves you alone, right? If, if, if running kills your ankle or your foot, well then just cycle, uh, because then you get all the benefits of exercise, but you're not maybe irritating that, that issue. Uh, right. <clears throat> I mean, that's just, uh, yeah. that's like, yeah, the obvious solution, right? I mean, yeah, the obvious one, of course, how to work out and pain your foot hurts. So I'm like, make it an arm day, your arm hurts. So make it a leg day. That seems pretty obvious. And I mean, look, sometimes people have pretty serious injuries that are taking time to heal, make it an, a, a, a leg day cycle. Maybe for the next month, you find various ways to attack your legs, right? Or your knee is killing you. And so while you're doing some knees over toes guy stuff to slowly progressively get back into it, maybe you're going heavy on your arms for the next month or two while you're slowly bringing your knee back into the game. It doesn't have to be this binary either, or like I have no pain or whatever. Um, some of the other things though, what I, so with isometrics, let's kind of go back to that. Cause this is a, a really great way to work out. If you have pain, especially if you want to get some tension to that joint, low backs, knees, shoulders, end range isometrics can be magical. And this is the other thing with end range. Everybody's end range is different. If you could go to your end range, let's just say shoulder end range. Okay. Um, you, you want to go shoulder flexion, which is your arm up over your head. And maybe it goes to your eye level. Okay. You are squeezing your fist and you are pushing your arm into more flexion. You can also, when you're up into flexion, squeeze your fist. In other words, that's helping you to engage all the muscles from your fingertips all the way through your shoulder. The idea is potentiation, but it doesn't matter. Squeezing engages everything. Once you're all the way in flexion, you can push more into flexion or while the way, while you're in flexion, you can push into extension or while you're in flexion, you can push internally or externally. So there are so many different options, even when you are isometrically, statically in an end range. One of my favorite little techniques is to go from one end range to the other and then back again and kind of re repeat this cycle over and over. It kind of opens up both sides of the highway. So when I say flexion, I mean, arm overhead and then extension is like you're reaching behind you to, you know, see if your kid dropped his milk bottle in the back seat, right? And do the same thing in, in shoulder extension, shoulder flexion, shoulder extension. If you can go back and forth with these isometrics, um, finding some way to add pressure, all you really need is a wall, to be honest. And you were to go back and forth between these two, you would find that those middle ranges become a lot easier. It's going to make, and then the next thing is you can progress. You can go a little further into flexion and a little further into extension. And this works for every joint of the body. I mean, it's kind of some early and basic rehab. It works great for wrists. It works great for elbows. Um, there are more technical things, but it's kind of like an introductory physical therapy thing that you can do today right? I still think the best thing if you're, you know, your shoulder hurts is to go for a walk or go for a jog. It's very important to work out your heart. Um, but yeah, what are some of the little strategies you've kind of found? Like, so where you've been talking about knees lately, let's just say you've got some knee pain. Um, what's your kind of go-to? Yeah. Sometimes those isometrics with like for the knee is a good example because often the mid range can also be an important point to do isometrics, like somebody with patellar tendon pain. And these are the people that go to the, you know, stairs hurt, yeah. uh, especially going downstairs, uh, squats, lunges, just kind of kill the front of the knee. Well, what you can do is get in one of those regular gym leg extensions where you sit in the thing and hook your, hook your ankle behind the pad 
and you just extend it for, you know, maybe just 30, 40 degrees and like pushing the pad away. So you're maybe, you know, your, your knees at 60 degrees or something, it's at some mid range and you load it kind of heavy and you hold it. And it's kind of surprising people with pretty severe patellar tendon issues that doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt them at all. And it's actually been a way it's been a strategy to employ before training to desensitize the area. So for some people, and this is where it's getting a little technical because you don't maybe know all these things about your own knee, but if you have a patellar tendonitis or ten, especially tendinopathy, uh, you know, and it hurts to train or hurts to run or it hurts just to be a human. Well, you do some of these isometrics and then the pain is desensitized, which means you can't it's temporarily or for a certain period of time, it feels kind of good. Then you can go load it. And, and of course it doesn't give you free reign to go do all the stuff that's going to kill it, but that means you can go train properly, hopefully. And you start to repair that area or you start to improve it. So that is one tip actually. And you can apply that to any area of the body doing some isometric loading before you do a full range. So let's say you do bench press and you have this spot one inch off your chest that always feels sketchy for the pec. Well, what you can do is put the bar on pins underneath the squat rack, put it at exactly that point. Uh, sorry, put it, put the bar on your chest and put pins one inch or wherever that sticking point is above your, above your chest. So yeah. as you press the bar, it hits the pins at that point that you have this pec, this feeling in your pec or wherever it is. And you hold that pressure. You hold that isometric in that area. And you might do that for a few weeks before you actually return to full range of motion. But you could always do that as the warm up to like potentiate the muscles, potentiate that particular angle that is sketchy for the pec. And it can do wonders. You can apply this really to, to any area. You know, your calf doesn't feel right. You find that kind of position, do some isometrics against the hands planted against the wall and then go for your run. Uh, it, it, your elbow doesn't feel good. You can do a lot of, you know, light band work or do some isometrics and then do your triceps or do your bench press or your pushups. And you'd be surprised. So these isometrics are great for kind of knocking down the pain. And then I do, I do, uh, kind of like the Louis Simmons method of just getting tons of blood flow into an area. So, mm -hmm. you know, before you train your legs, you do this very, very low, low weight or low intensity, high rep stuff that just pumps tons of blood into the area. So let's say before you do the bench press, which hurts your elbow, you do like 300 tricep pushdowns with a very small, with a very thin band. So it's, it's not even really taxing you. It's only taxing you because it's 300 reps. You might do three times a hundred, but you, you can imagine 300 reps of the elbow just moving before you actually press a bar. It's got to have this impact. There's little tricks like this. I mean, I mean, I've always learned a lot from people that are not actually doctors and don't have any degrees behind their name. It's just because they spent their whole life like solving their own problems. Like Louis Simmons was hurt all the time and he dealt with power lifters that were hurt all the time. And now he's like a thousand years old. He's like Yoda now. And of course, <laughs> and, and people who pay attention over a long time solve these issues. And we can mm -hmm. get a lot from other other. Uh, professionals or not even credentialed people who, who kind of dedicated their time to solving these issues. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more with the it, it, bloating up with blood is a massive one, but also I think one of the things that gets a bad rep is partial reps. Okay. And we'll probably finish on this one because we could probably go on these little tips and tricks. Maybe we'll do another episode. Um, partial reps. I 
my back loves heavy, heavy deadlifts from blocks. Okay. So I, I don't like, I could pick it up from the ground, but I could pick up way more from just below my knee. And meaning I can get a ton of load safely into my posterior chain, my low back, my hips, my hammies, and it's incredibly safe for my back. It's not bad to do, to lift it up from the floor or even to work on a, a negative, you know, where you're standing up on a block, but sometimes these partial reps are actually great ways to get a safe load. In. If, and here's the other thing. Most of us are not competing. I'm done competing. Okay. I'm not lifting it off the ground. If you're not lifting it off the ground, the benefits of exercise just far outweigh you sitting on the couch and doing nothing, do some partial reps, do some isometrics. I, I, try that think about that for other joints but you know bobby's last tip load up a joint with a really light rep on a small movement before you add it into a compound movement really that's kind of the formula there right and find ways to exercise while you're in pain i bet you notice that your pain will go down quickly exercise is just so good you gotta do it thank y'all so much for listening <laughs> have a great week see you guys <laughs>